Welcome to Daily Defining Moments. This is Pastor Allen, and I'm so glad you're with me. Our goal each day is to help you open your Bible and connect with Jesus. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We're reading through the New Testament portion of the One Year Bible in the New Living Translation. Today is January 5th, and our reading comes from Matthew chapter 5. Now, in the first couple of chapters of Matthew, one of the things that we've been talking about is the idea of repentance, that we want to return to God, and that the Christian life is not about managing my behavior or my performance or my image, that the Christian life is actually about allowing God to transform us from the inside out. Well, in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus begins what is his longest, most famous sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. For three chapters, he's going to wrestle with all of these issues that are happening in culture and how we as Christians are living differently counter culturally. However, he begins with the Beatitudes, and the Beatitudes talk about the condition of our heart before God and each other, which empowers us, allows us to live in a way that is very different from our world, a life-giving way that really leads us into an abundant, blessed life and becomes a model for our world to see that attracts them to Jesus. But this all begins in our heart. So Jesus begins that sermon with these words. Matthew chapter 5, beginning verse 3, he says, God blesses those who are poor or poor in spirit and realize their need for God for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So the first step in our relationship with God is just recognizing that apart from him, I'm spiritually bankrupt. Remember what John how he related to the religious leaders, and he said, you're like a bunch of snakes, and you guys need to repent, and your lifestyle needs to match your confession. And what John was saying is, you guys act like you have it all together, and you're proud. But what God is calling for, what Jesus is calling here in Matthew 5, 3 is humility poor in spirit, recognizing that what I need is God's grace, that the truth is I'm selfish and self-centered and independent and rebellious by nature, and I need God to do something new and fresh in my heart. So the first step is humility. Then he says, verse 4, God blesses those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So there's a recognition, there's a mourning over the condition of my own soul. There's a recognition that my independence has really produced brokenness in my heart. And when I'm honest about that and I mourn my condition, God begins to comfort me as he's leading me into new life. Verse 5, God blesses those who are humble or meek, for they will inherit the earth. And the idea here is surrender, is that now that I see I'm spiritually bankrupt and I see the pain that I've created in my own life and for others, I want God to be in charge. I want to be meek. I want to surrender control of my life to him. And then next he says, blessed are those, verse 6, who are hungry and thirsty for justice, for they will be satisfied. And this is, we long to be in right standing with God. So this is about dependence. So there's humility, 
there's brokenness, there's surrender, and there's dependence. So the first four of these Beatitudes describe our relational connection to God. And then the rest of the Beatitudes describe how that changes the way we relate to other people. This is such an important principle. The way I change how I treat other people is not about managing my behavior. It's about turning to God. It's about repentance. Draw near to Jesus and allow Him to do something in my heart that allows me to relate to other people the way Jesus does. So the next beatitude is, blessed are the merciful. So in other words, when I'm poor in spirit, when I realize I need Jesus, when I have humility, when I'm broken over my sin, when I'm surrendered to Jesus, when I'm living in dependence, then I cannot help but be merciful to other people who are not as far along in their journey as I am, who are trying to figure it out, who are going through the same struggles that I've been through. So now there's mercy. Second, he says, blessed are the pure in heart. And this is the idea that I want to live an authentic life. Again, we've been talking some about this last couple of days, is that I'm not living a life of hypocrisy where I'm pretending to have it all together, but inside I'm dead. No, I'm being authentic. So in my relationships, rather than uh, living with a lot of pretense and pretending to be somebody I'm not, I'm just honest about my journey. This is where I'm at. This is what I'm learning. This is where God is at work in my life. And again, that becomes very attractive to other people, and it allows us to help each other learn and grow and to stay in that journey. Then next, he says, blessed are those who work for peace or peacemakers. And the idea here is that relationships and people become more important than issues. Boy, is this something we need to learn right now in American culture is that people, my love for people is more important than my political opinion or more important than, you know, these other cultural issues, right? It's about people. And so I want to be careful. I want to be a peacemaker. I care about you more than I care about the issue. And then finally, he talks about persecution. That even when we're walking with God this way, and he's transforming our hearts, when other people attack us, we're just living by faith, and we're going to continue to do what's right. We're going to continue to follow Jesus. We're going to continue to trust him, even if on the short term, we suffer for it. Now, why is this so important? Well, watch what he says in verse 13. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it loses its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be good for nothing but be thrown out and trampled under the foot of men. Be worthless. So when we live this way, when our life is described by humility, brokenness, surrender, dependence, mercy, authenticity, peace and faith. When that's true, we become the salt of the earth. We become a healing, preserving, flavoring agent in the earth. Then he says, you're the light of the world. So when those things are true for us, we give light in a dark world and the light, our light begins to dispel The darkness, so valuable. And then he says, verse 17, don't misunderstand. I've not come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill it. So in other words, Jesus says he came to do for us what we couldn't do for ourselves. 
So Jesus breaks in, God breaks into human history as a man in order to fulfill the requirements of the law so that he can go to the cross and die to pay for our sin in order to reunite us to the Father. Then after his resurrection and ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit who lives in us and empowers us to live the Christian life. So that's what he describes here in verse 17 through 19. Then he says this, and I want to close with this verse today. Verse 20, I warn you, unless your righteousness is better than the righteousness of the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees, you will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. So what does he mean? Well, because all of this is true, because the Christian life's not about me managing my behavior, but it's about God producing new life and transformation in me, then my righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees for two big reasons. Number one, I'm actually becoming holy. I'm actually keeping God's law, not just in public when people are watching, but even in private when no one's watching. Why? Because God's changing my heart. So my righteousness is actually exceeding the righteousness of the Pharisees because they were performing publicly but failing privately because their performance was just a show because it got them praise and honor. It benefited them. But in private, they turned their back on their own morality, right? Well, that's not true for us because God is producing this change. It's true publicly and privately. So our righteousness is exceeding that of the scribes and Pharisees. But furthermore, Jesus went to the cross died to pay for our sin, and when we place our faith and trust in him, we are clothed in his righteousness. So our righteousness is actually the righteousness of Jesus, which surpasses anyone else's righteousness. It's a perfect divine righteousness, right? So we have this practical righteousness that we're receiving as God is producing his life in us, and then we have Christ righteousness, which we've received by faith, in the finished work of Jesus for us. So in this sermon, Jesus is describing what the Christian life looks like. Humility, brokenness, surrender, dependence that allows us with other people to be merciful, authentic, peacemakers and people of faith. And when we do, we're the light of the world. We're the salt of the earth. He's fulfilled the law in and through us. And our righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees and begins attracting people to Jesus. Amen. Come on, let me pray for you. Father, we want to live this way. This is such a beautiful description of the Christian life. So God, we just open our hearts and we invite you to do this work, to produce your life in us so that your light would shine through us and attract the people we know and love into a relationship with you. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with me today. Hope that encourages you. Remember, before I begin my day, God has something to say. We'll see you again tomorrow.